December 13th. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg. Happy Wednesday, Wes. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. So uh, we got lots to talk about, and uh, I'm looking forward to our first topic for this hour. But first of all, hello, Wes. Hello, buddy. How are you today? Good. Happy Good. Wednesday to you as well. Uh, Flames coming off a 6-5, uh, not 6-5, 5-4 overtime loss to the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday. So now 0-1-1 on this three-game road trip that wraps up Thursday in Minnesota. But I think we need to have a serious talk about Yegor Sharangovich. Sharky. We, uh, we also have to have a serious talk about that um, and the nicknames. That's for later. But, you know... Vix and I last week, going into Saturday's game against the New Jersey Devils, kind of talked a little bit, revisited the Tyler Toffoli trade. And it's funny now, after a 5-4 overtime loss, two more goals for Yegor Sharangovich, including the game-tying goal that sent that game to overtime with just under a minute to go. Uh, he's now up to nine on the season, which is now a team-leading total. So Sharangovich's nine goals leads the Flames, And it feels like he's getting more and more comfortable and settles in more and more as a member of this team. And now that I I tweeted it out after he scored that goal that, hey, here's now the team leader in goals and just a lot of talk about that trade. And there was a lot of like, oh, you know, I hated that trade at first. Maybe I'm coming around to it. Or there was a couple of people dunking. Everybody hated that trade. Now, what do you think? And, and, and I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. I just think it's a really interesting conversation because of how much talk there's been since late June's Tyler Toffoli trade and Toffoli and the Devils were just through town. And there was a, a certain group of Flames fans at the time, and even going into this season, who felt like the Flames got absolutely fleeced on that deal. Right. Losing their leading scorer last year and not getting a first-round pick back and only getting this guy who was coming off a big drop-off season offensively and a third-round pick back. It was like, how could the Flames get so fleeced? My pushback at the time was, well, I'm, I'm really intrigued about the player in Sharon Govich, and let's see how that plays out, but in a pending unrestricted free agent who was looking for a longer-term deal, who's over 30 years old, compared to what other guys in similar situations brought back at that same draft in Nashville, I thought the Flames did all right. I I didn't think that they leased New Jersey on the trade, but I didn't feel like the Flames got completely taken either in that deal. So... that there, But there was a certain group that that felt that way. And I want to go back, so this was... In late June, um, Vix and I were on the draft floor in Nashville. We had just witnessed Elliot Friedman pacing back and forth. The magic of uh, Elliot Friedman. And and why? We were like, what is he doing? <laughs> and he was like, here, he's there, he's there. And it was because he was breaking a trade. He was talking with people. He was texting. And he was kind of 
going through his trade-breaking process, and he was the one who broke the Toffoli to New Jersey trade. Um, and about 20 minutes later, Craig Conroy joined us on Flames Talk, and this was the general manager, his first trade as GM of the Calgary Flames. Here was what the scouting report on Sharon Govich was when he joined us back in late June. Sharon Govich is a guy that can play all three positions, uh, 25 years old, He's a guy that we feel like he's a, he's a goal scorer, a very good penalty killer, good size, and skates well. So he, he's a guy that we feel we can kind of bring into the mix and have him play in any position and, and on the PK. And, you know, we even see him with such a good shot that he if he gets some chances on the power play, he might be able to contribute there as well. So it just felt like a good fit for us uh, on that with age and, and what he brings to the team. And, you know, you look at the five-on-five goals and him him and Toffoli are, are very similar. And, you know, we think if we give him a little more ice time and a little opportunity, uh, you know, who, who knows where this goes. And, and I would imagine, you know, hoping that, he can get back to those totals from a couple of years ago when he put up 24 goals. He had 13 goals this past season, but 24 goals the year before. Is that is that more where you see him, kind of in the 2025 range in terms of how he could produce and what he could produce? Yeah, his minutes were down a little this year. Obviously, you know, it's all playing time and who you play with. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where we feel. You know, we feel like if we put him in a position to have success, that's. Uh, you know, that, that's what he's going to do. You look at his shot, you look at where he goes, the scores, goals. Um, we feel like he's going to have success and, and looking forward to finally seeing him, uh, you know, seeing him in September here with us. So that was Craig Conroy. That is not Craig Conroy live with us right now. That was Craig Conroy live with us in late June, uh, minutes after the trade was completed for Tyler Toffoli to New Jersey, Sharon Govich in a third-round pick the other way. Hasn't that all started to play out? The things that, that, that we just heard from Craig. He's been a great penalty killer for them all year long. He's been one of their best penalty killers. Now we're starting to see that five-on-five five production. Uh, we're starting to see him utilize that shot a whole lot more. And we're seeing what happens when he plays a little further up the lineup. And after a little bit of an adjustment period... It, it really feels like Sharon Govich is, is starting to come into his own. And those things that Craig Conroy was talking about, the scouting report from Craig, it uh, sure does feel like they've scouted it properly from what we're seeing here. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the way you put it. I think it, I think he really is coming into his own. And I know we'll hear the clip a little bit later. We heard from Ryan Huska last night in Las Vegas saying, you know, it took him a little while to get comfortable, to get settled, to maybe understand the Calgary Flames way of, of doing things, get to know his teammates, all that stuff. And and we are seeing that sort of transition now pay off. You know, the one I, I, w- I do want to make one sort of blanket statement because if you thought the Calgary Flames got fleeced in the Tyler Toffoli trade and, and if you're in, you know, the group of fans that believes the Calgary Flames should have got more for Nikita Zadorov. I do think you're setting yourself up for disappointment as the Flames make the rest of these moves. I, I do think that there has been, in some corners, some overvaluing of the players that the Calgary Flames currently have and what the trade right. value right. should have been. But but Yegor Sharangovich arrived in Calgary for me, and I would say for a lot of people, as a bit of a mystery. I, I hadn't seen him play a ton of hockey. I'd seen the numbers. I... I knew the production had dipped, but other than some Calgary Flames versus New Jersey Devils, I, I 
I could probably count on one hand the number of times I'd actually seen him play. And I'll be honest when I when it ha- I I was like, okay, yeah, I've I've seen. I remember two years ago when he really popped and he was popping early on for New Jersey. So I had seen a lot of highlights on social media. I was like. Okay, that guy. I remember that. And there was a couple fun nicknames Devils fans had given him. So I went and that that same day when they made the trade, I went and watched a highlight reel okay. just to kind of start, okay, what is this guy all about? But cause I was kind of with you. I, I didn't I didn't have a great book on Sharon Govich either. Yeah, he's been a he's been a good gamble. I, I had a conversation with Craig Conroy on the same day, you know, shortly after the trade gets made at the draft. A and, better one. And he just talked about, well, okay, so we we just got younger. We just got faster, and we just got a little bit more inexpensive. And I, I think it's important to remember why Tyler Toffoli was traded. He, he wasn't traded because the Calgary Flames didn't want a right shot, right winger on their top line. He, he wasn't traded like they miss him on the power play right now, for sure. He wasn't traded because they didn't think he could be an offensive impact guy. He was traded because Craig Conroy, after being promoted to general manager, was hesitant to lock up another 30-something. Whether that was going to be for a midterm deal or a long-term deal, the Calgary Flames didn't want to go down that road. And so what I think is encouraging about Yegor Sharangovich is the way he can fit the big picture. He's 25 years old. And yes, he leads the team right now with nine goals, but the penalty killing and and sort of the defensive awareness makes him a player who doesn't have to be finding the back of the net to help your team win games. And that's why I feel like this was a pretty savvy addition by Craig Conroy in the summer. Well, and that's, and and I'm certainly not trying to make the case that, Oh, well, look, they got the better player. They, they, Toffoli, who needs Toffoli? Toffoli had 73 points last year. Right. He played all 82 games. He was uh, the, the offensive leader of the Calgary Flames last year and, and had a great year and was well within his rights to want to try and use that year and parlay it into a big deal. And, and is off to a good, doesn't He's he have a dozen great. goals in New Jersey? He, he does. Yeah. And, and that's, it's more to say that this, it doesn't have to be a, Flames hit a home run and fleece the Devils, or Craig Conroy's a junk GM, doesn't know how to make a trade, and the Flames got fleeced. This feels like, regardless of what happens with Toffoli and his future in New Jersey, this feels like a trade that made sense and works for both sides. And I don't know what Sharon Govich is going to be for the remainder of his time in Calgary, but... I think this is a deal that works well on both ends. So Tyler's been great in New Jersey. The Devils got exactly what they wanted. They wanted a right shot running mate for Jack Hughes, and Toffoli's been awesome there. They wanted a little bit more scoring depth. They wanted a little bit more of a shooting threat. Bam, they've got it all with Tyler Toffoli. And whether he signs there or is gone after this year, I think New Jersey gets a check mark on that trade because they went out, they targeted something, and Toffoli's been a great fit. He's happy there. They're happy with him. And Sharon Govich is really starting to fit in with the Flames. They got a third round pick with it as well. And you know what? The five on five production, the week who was rookie of the week, conference. Um, playing at uh, UMass. The five on five production between Toffoli and, and Sharon Govich. Hasn't been all that far off. This is uh, from NHL.com's um, on-ice 
rates at five on five. Sharon Govich is at 1.07 goals per 60 minutes at five on five to Foley at 1.20. So very much similar there. And Sharon Govich at 1.92 points per 60 minutes at five on five to Foley at 2.19. So a little higher from Toffoli. And let's not forget that Tyler's been with Jack Hughes basically from the hop. They've played at five on five with one another essentially all season long. Sharon Govich kind of been all over the place. He's played on the line with Lindholm for the last little while, but he's been on the fourth line. He was centering a fourth line. He's played on the right side. He's kind of been all over the place. And so, again, this is not Flames talk with Pat and Wes telling you, Flames won this trade, start flying the flag, and and the Flames took the New Jersey Devils to school. It's more just saying that this is a way more even deal and a way more beneficial deal for both sides than the Flames got fleeced crowd that exists out there, at least with what we're seeing right now. New Jersey got the better player right now. They got the best player right now in the trade. The Flames got the younger NHLer with team control that they immediately signed to a team-friendly contract. They got the third-round pick in Adar Suniev, who is starting to really come into his own as a freshman at UMass in the NCAA. Sometimes deals can be good for both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the mold of player that I would like to see the Calgary Flames if they go down this rebuild, retool path that we're all anticipating. This is the mold of player that I would like to see them try to find more of a guy who has high offensive skill, who, who has good sense for it offensively, who's maybe being held back a little bit by limited ice time, lack of opportunity, whatever it might be, right? Yegor Sharangovich's dip from 24 goals to 13 had as much to do with who he was playing with and how much he was on the ice, at least the way I've been led to understand it as any other factor that went into it. And, you know, what I think is encouraging about a guy who now has four goals in his past three games and leads the team with nine is we're not talking about a player who's just on an incredible run of good luck. We're not talking about a bunch of, you know, fluke goals or, or, instances where you see him jam at the goalie's pads for, you know, six shots before he he finally squeezes it across the line. Like last night, that's a heck of a deflection in the final minute to salvage a point out of a game that looked like it was going to end with nothing. And that was a cannon shot that that snuck through. Great shot on the, the odd man rush at the end of the second period. If you go the night before in Colorado, yeah, it's a backdoor tap in on a great pass by Noah Hannafin. But if you watch the way Yegor Sharangovich loses his check and finds that soft spot, he made himself available for what was a really, really smart pass from Hannafin. And then you go back to Saturday in his first game against his former team. Well, how's he scoring that one? With a backhand roof job on a breakaway. Like, we're we're talking about a guy who has good hands. We're talking about the only Flames player, and, and this is almost mind-boggling, but it is what it is. The only Flames player to score a shootout goal so far this season. Like, this guy has legit Is that true? Skill. Yeah, he's got two. They've scored two shootout goals in three well, shootouts? If you want to say they, yeah, but Yegor, unless I read it wrong this morning, has two, and no, I don't think anyone else has scored one. That's unbelievable. I'm going to check that. No, I believe you. I just, that kind of... So snuck up. On I, me. I don't think we're talking about a guy who is just suddenly going to stop scoring. 
You know, I, I think we're talking about a guy who can give you 20 or, or slightly more than 20 goals over the length of a season. And, and that's a valuable addition for a guy that you were going to wind up losing because you weren't prepared to go into a negotiation with a 30-something coming off a career best season when you're going to have to pay a premium to keep them. They weren't willing to go down that road, and I don't blame Craig Conroy one bit for that. Do I watch this Flames power play and think, geez, they're really missing Tyler Toffoli? Yeah, absolutely. But in terms of of savvy pickups, in in terms of shrewd additions, I I really do think that the general manager deserves some praise for this one. It's been a nice pickup for the Flames. And and what I like is that the things that they identified – you know, Craig came prepared for that chat and he came prepared to, you know, when he was asked questions about why making this deal, there's a penalty kill, even strength scoring, shot, ability to play all positions, speed, two-way game. Those have been all the things that we're talking about. He's got a great shot. He has been great for them on the penalty kill. I mean, right now, you've got two penalty killing forward duos that you are confident throwing out there every single time. And I know the PK has has maybe taken a little bit of a dip overall as a unit over the last five or six weeks, but you know Lindholm and Backlund is your number one duo over the boards, and you know you're going right to Coleman and Sharon Govich right after that, and both of those guys have a really good thing going with one another. The shot, the penalty kill, the five-on-five scoring, he now leads the team in goals, He's played all the positions. We've seen him on the left. We've seen him on the right. We've seen him down the middle. All the things that the Flames were targeting and what they liked have kind of come to the surface here as he's really started to find his game. And again, there's still 53 games left to go this year. Did I get that right? 53 games to go. Um, And there's still a lot of hockey to be played. We don't know how this is going to play out. And the fact that Sharon Govich leads the team with goals in nine, he's on pace for 20, and that's your leading scorer. That's also a comment 25. On, is it 25? Yeah. Still. Still. It shows you that we're not talking about the highest scoring team, and that also is something that I think a lot of people are like, okay, well, what does that tell you about the team? Okay, but still, he's doing what they've asked him to do at a very cap-friendly number, and I think he deserves some credit for the way he's playing. I think the Flames deserve some credit for identifying a guy they thought that could fit and that was in need of a little bit more opportunity. And and that's why I like him so much as a piece of a retool is that like he might be your best fourth line center, except he's more valuable as a first or second line winger at this point. But if you're able to accumulate some more skill, some more talent, some younger guys and he winds up in a few years back as your fourth-line center, he's not hurting you. You know, th- this is a guy who can fit the the plan, at least the sort of midterm plan around the Saddledome, because he's so versatile. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not standing up here saying, go sign him to an eight-year extension. I, I just think this is a player who can fit moving forward because of not only the skill that, quite frankly, he might, not get enough credit for. He's more skilled, I'll say, than I thought he was when he arrived. That shot is an absolute weapon. 
but he can also help you in a lot of other ways. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, in, uh, by the way, I was right about the shootouts. Wow. Two for three. Yegor Sharangovich, two for three. And everybody else is 0 for. Huberdo, 0 for three. Zeri, 0 for two. Kadri, 0 for two. Anderson and Dubé, 0 for one. Wow. So don't go to a shootout. Try not to. They're three and one in overtime. That I mean, their first this overtime new, loss. This on. new plan of giving away third period leads isn't uh, doing it either. But yeah, they they seem to have a uh, they had they had a pretty thing going when they were trailing after forty, right. figuring it out. It hasn't gone so well. They're the kind other of way. experiencing the feeling from the other side of the coin. Yeah, they've been uh, they, they've had it on the other foot the last two nights. Yes. Uh, what uh, we'll get to the text line in a little bit, but what do you think? What has changed for you on the Sharon Govich front? Is it just a comfort thing? Is it just him being a little bit more comfortable as a member of the Flames? Well, I, I I think it's more. I think it's more just finding his fit in the lineup, and just fitting with whether it's Lindholm and Manjapani or or. Being trusted in a, a more offensive type role, I think, has helped him flourish on that side of it. I, I think he did exactly what you asked of him as a fourth line center, but that wasn't to generate anything. And he didn't generate much. And the other thing I, I'd add is I chatted with him a couple of weeks ago, I guess, and I, I was asking him about his shot and, and how he developed it, something I included a little bit in a feature I wrote earlier today. And he talked about, you know what, I do have a good shot and I need to use it more often. And I think we're starting to see that now too. And it's easy to convince yourself to shoot it a, a little bit more when you're on a three-game heater with four goals. But I, I just think his willingness to call his own number on odd man rushes, I, I think the way he's directing it at the net, I do believe we're seeing a little bit more of that of late as well. Yeah. What do you think's changed there? I think the... I think first of all, him getting comfortable and and just settling in. He's he's played in Belarus. He's played in Newark, and now brand new surroundings. Bingo, right? too. Um, and, and that's right, played in Binghamton. Uh, I've never been there before, uh, but he's played there too. But this is first time he's played in Canada. Uh, brand new, brand new surroundings. Just everything's different, and so he's got a young family. There's just I so I think settling in on and off the ice. I think plays a big part in it, and I also think the investment that the Flames have have shown in him and saying, "Hey, we believe that you're an important piece here. We're going to use you as a key part of our penalty kill." He's not just thrown out there as a guy on the penalty kill. He's a key part of their penalty kill, and they've really. Im- we love your shot. We need you to use that shot. We want you to play with Lindholm. We they they brought him in, and a, remember he was immediately on that line with Lindholm and Huberdeau. Didn't work. That hasn't been a thing. But they showed investment in him right from the get go. And and even though they moved him to line four as a fourth line center for a little bit, they they just I I feel like that continued investment has been a big part of it as well. Just showing confidence in hey, we really want you as, as part of this thing. Yeah, and I'm sure he feels that. The other thing, if you've watched a, an interview, you know, one of the Flames TV clips maybe with Yegor Sharangovich, you know he's a very soft-spoken guy. He's not super comfortable with his English. He, he's a lot better at English than he gives himself credit for, but he, he's not totally comfortable speaking it. And so I think it takes a guy like that a little while to 
feel comfortable in the room, to get to know people. He's not Nazem Kadri who's going to come in and say, I just want a Stanley Cup and, and I'm here and, hey, let's do this thing, right? He's, he's not Mackenzie Weger, who, who is such an outgoing, fun-loving personality who's probably chirping somebody 15 minutes after he walked into the dressing room yeah. for the first time, right? Like, th- this is just a different personality. And for that reason, I, I do think... It probably took Yegor Sharangovich a, a little while to to really feel comfortable with his new team, and, and now we're seeing the benefit of it. Yep, Sharky. Uh, we'll get. I, I'm I'm starting to like that nickname as well. He likes it too. Okay. It's yeah, better, it's better than Sharon. Yeah, um, much better. On the <laughs> text line at nine sixty nine sixty. Um, to paraphrase an old. John Tortorella quote, guys like Zary and Sharon Govich have been the best players, which is great for Zary and Sharon Govich, not so good for the Calgary Flames. I understand that. I, I, do, I do understand that line of thinking because it is, you, you do want other guys to be your better sure. players. Although Nazem Kadri is their best player, full stop, period. We'll talk about him later this hour on the round table. And, and if I could respond to that, I suppose. I, I would separate those two. I, I think that saying, and I, I'm trying to remember who Tortorella initially said it about, but I see where that applies more to Sharon Govich, who is supposed to be a depth piece, than it does to Connor Zary, who I, I believe yeah. is a big part of your future. Uh, this says, like the Sharon Govich discussion, I think three other similar players to target with similar upside are Morgan Frost, Yegor Chinikov, and Jonathan Berggren. Uh, I don't... Can they... Two Jaegors? Three Jaegors, because they have the goalie that they drafted. Jaegor Jaeger. He might count as two, actually. Are, are you allowed to have that many Jaegors? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if that's allowed. Let me consult with the CBA. Pike, where are you at? Is, uh, where's Jaegor uh, Chinnikov? Is he Russian or Belarusian? That I don't know off okay. the uh, top of my head. Yeah. Quickly, just because I can, he is Russian. Okay. So maybe that's allowed. He's Russian. The other two are Belarus. Maybe that's allowed. I think yeah. Yegor Yegorov, is he Russian as well? Uh, anyway, uh, Mike says, still too early for Sharon Govich, in my opinion. He's been productive with Lindholm so far, but he's likely gone in a couple months, being Lindholm. Uh, he has that big shot and a nice set of hands, but he might ultimately be a line mate dependent guy. So whether he's a top six guy or a middle six guy still remains to be seen. I will say, when he was on that fourth line, he was a big part of driving line four as, as the center a yeah. position he hadn't played in years. Yeah, and he he's not going to drive your top line. So it, I guess in that sense, him and a whole lot of other players in the National Hockey League are line-mate-dependent guys, right? It, he Yes, he had a, a career-best season with Jack Hughes. That's not a coincidence, right? But I do think his versatility gives him a better chance if Elias Lindholm is, is gone in a couple months, and certainly that's the way we foresee it. I do think his versatility gives him a better chance of of finding a fit with another guy and still giving you something, still yep. being an effective player for you. Uh, this says the issue isn't what they got back. The issue is the fact that Toffoli was making around four mil, which is cheap for a top power play right winger. And it was in the summer when teams had money. The Flames should have been able to get more than what they got. 
Uh, we can ad- agree to disagree. This says, told you, go Devils. And this says, I never felt like the Flames got fleeced, but I was disappointed at the return when it happened because I felt it was light. Starting to come around on that a little. Glad to be wrong. Text line wide open at 960-960. It's Pat and Wes along with you this hour on Flames Talk. Hey, Porsche Center Calgary has new inventory in stock. So there's a great mix of all models, including uh, Tycon, Cayenne, Macan, and even some sports cars. Porsche Center Calgary has unprecedented offers like no luxury tax on 2023 Taycan models and 3.99% lease rates on 2023 and 2024 models. Plus, Macan S and GTS 2023 and 2024 models are available with 6.99% lease rates for up to 42 months. Offers end December 31st. Visit PorscheCenterCalgary.com. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time now for our Daily Flames roundtable on this Wednesday. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. Steinberg. Wes Gilbertson, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, to complete our Daily Flames roundtable on this Wednesday. Uh, so the Flames 0-1-1 on the first two games of this three-game road trip that starts, uh, that rather finishes Thursday in Minnesota. Guys, Jacob Markstrom close. He uh, is very close to returning. I don't think he's going to make the flight to uh, Minnesota, but could be ready for them to uh get back in net sometime on this two-game homestand, whether it's Saturday or Monday. He's been skating with the Wranglers all week. Uh, so sounds like that Ryan Huska timetable where he's like, could it be two weeks, less than two weeks? Well, it looks like that's going to kind of exactly be what it is. So that means Thursday may be our last chance to see Dustin Wolf on this recall. So here's my question. Uh, Wes's eyes will light up when I ask it. I know that. With... Uh, What we have seen from Dustin on this NHL recall, where he has gotten into multiple NHL games, including starts in three of the last four, does it give you, does it give us, does it give you more confidence that the Flames should or should not move out one of their other goalies to make room for Dustin at the NHL level before the trade deadline? How are we feeling about it now, maybe compared to where we were? I feel better about it, for sure. I mean, I think the Flames have three NHL goaltenders in Jacob Markstrom, Dan Vladar, and Dustin Wolf, and there's not room for three of them on the roster. So at some point, you're going to have to make a move here. And Jacob Markstrom's unfortunate injury in practice did open the door for the Flames to give Dustin Wolf a little bit longer look. And, hey, I know he gave up five last night, but he's not the reason the Flames lost that hockey game. And... I think he's given them a chance to win every single game that he's played in in his NHL career. So, you know, I'm more confident in Dustin Wolf now than I've ever been. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I think Dan Vladar is probably going to be the have to be the one to go because uh, Jacob Markstrom's contract uh, might be uh, too much to take on for uh, a team that considers themselves to be a Stanley Cup contender. And uh, generally speaking, you don't get great return when you trade a goaltender. So, I think the Flames would be best served to have Jacob Markstrom play the role for Dustin Wolf that Pekka Rene played for UC Saros. Mentor him, 
give him an opportunity to get his feet wet in the NHL, to, to give him a soft landing spot so he just doesn't go from the AHL to uh, being a number one in the NHL and mentor him. So uh, I, I think that's probably best case scenario for the Flames right now. And if they could get uh, in return for Dan Vladar what they gave the Bruins to get him, a third round pick, then it's something that I would take a, a long look at uh, if that deal was available right now or, or maybe down the road. It doesn't just give me more confidence that the Flames could or or should move on from a goaltender. Like it, it, it makes me think that the timeline needs to be sooner than later. I and I know I've been pushing for Dustin Wolf. To your be, your timeline was like September, right? I I just think all we've seen from Dustin Wolf at the NHL level is that he's ready, and there's not a whole lot more left to do at the AHL level. I thought other than maybe Sharon Govich, he like, I don't know what the score last night in Vegas is without Dustin Wolf. Mm -hmm. I was, I was shocked actually that Ryan Huska wasn't a little more enthusiastic in his post-game comments. Like the guy gave up a breakaway goal to Mark Stone in overtime. I, I don't know how many NHL goalies posting in or making that save, no matter how long they've been around. And so I just think, We've seen enough from Dustin Wolf. We know there's going to be some growing pains, but I think we've seen enough that the Calgary Flames need to seriously consider whether it's time to move on from one of their veteran goaltenders. And I think, as Derek said, the most obvious candidate is Dan Vladar. I, I think the the contract probably is prohibitive when it comes to moving Jacob Markstrom. And then beyond that, he has some trade protection in his contract Full that gives trade, him a ton of protection. say on where he's going, but take the calls, whichever of your two veteran goalies they're on. I, I do think it's time for the Calgary flames as part of their commitment to young players to make room for Dustin Wolf. So if we were talking in September, I would have said, no, you know what? You have the, you have the luxury of time. Use that time Dustin is mentally strong. He This is not going to mess with his development. He'll be fine. Do it when you do it. And I'm comfortable with saying that, and I'm comfortable that I said that in September. And part of what I said to myself was, and out loud, was let's see how he does when he gets shuttled in to play some NHL games, which he has. And it hasn't been the, you know, kind of pick and choose spots in the schedule. It's been injury related both times that we've seen his recalls, but he's gotten into some significant NHL games so far in the first quarter plus of the season. And now, guys, I'm convinced. I, 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 I'm no longer waiting to see. I, I am full on convinced that this guy needs to be in the NHL. And and I thought it would maybe take a little bit more than 29 games of an NHL season for me to get there. But I like there's nothing more I need to see. Uh, I, I think it is. He has looked like an NHL goaltender every single minute he's played. And yep, sometimes he's been beat because he's small or smaller. But you know what? Sometimes Jacob Markstrom has been beat because of a weakness in his game or Dan Vladar has been beat because of a weakness in his game. Goalies aren't perfect. And one of the quote unquote shortcomings of Dustin's game is that sometimes because his size is smaller compared to other goalies, you're going to be able to beat him in certain spots or catch him leaning in certain spots or whatever. I'm convinced. I think it is. Uh, I, I think it's time. I don't mean that you go out and you make a bad trade. I just think it, it, 
if you're Craig Conroy, maybe you go from third to fifth. Maybe you put this thing into highway mode and see if you can't get something done and see if you really start chasing down some of these teams that need goaltending. And so I, uh, I am full-on convinced that this is the level he belongs, and I am full-on convinced that we're in the pocket now where they should be making a move to bring him in. And at some point between March 8th, I think Dustin Wolf, between now and March 8th, uh, I think Dustin Wolf should be a full-time NHLer. I just, I don't, I, what more is there to see? And, and I thought, I, I think the Flames are at that spot as well. I think, the, I think the Flames are fully convinced and know exactly what they've got in Dustin as well. Yeah, I mean, outside of winning a Calder Cup, Dustin Wolf has nothing to prove at the AHL level. And you don't want to leave him down there too long, even though I think he's handled the demotion well, because you don't want him to get frustrated. And you don't want him to kind of lose that edge that has, in my opinion, uh, served as a chip on his shoulder uh, throughout his entire hockey career. People have doubted the guy at every level, and he's proved people wrong at every level. Now, Wes, in defense of Ryan Huska, I can't remember the last time a head coach uh, gave their goaltender two thumbs up after he surrendered five. And I'm not putting last night's loss on Dustin Wolf in any way, shape, or form, but uh, just defending Ryan Huska because uh, he did give up five, uh, even though he made some great saves, including that uh, shorthanded breakaway stop on Jack Eichel that was uh, could have been a turning point in the hockey game last night. So we'll have to wait and see what happens here. Uh, I suspect the Flames will do something before the trade deadline. Uh, I wouldn't be in a, a rush to do it if, if the right deal is not there. I don't think you, you you force yourself to do it in the next week or two. But if the right deal is there, I probably wouldn't hesitate to make it at this point. And, and guys, I would probably feel a little bit differently if the Flames were in a different spot. Because it is the most important position in the sport, maybe in any sport. And if the Flames were top three in the Pacific Division or fairly comfortably in a wild card spot in the Western Conference, I think it would be great to have three NHL goaltenders in the organization, but they're not. They're a couple of points out of the second wild card spot. Uh, they've got three teams between them and that spot, and they all have games in hand. So if the Flames were in a better spot, uh, I might feel differently, but they're not. So uh, I say if the right deal is there, take it and uh, open that door up for Dustin Wolf. Uh, I think he's earned the opportunity. He can't show you too much more you can't have too much better of a a litmus test for a goaltender with five nhl starts on his resume than the defending champs and what a lot of people think might be the toughest road rank in the nhl yeah and yeah there's nothing i saw last night that led me to believe that dustin wolf was intimidated that he was overwhelmed that he wasn't absolutely up to that challenge and honestly, and I don't think there were any we, bad goals, were there? I didn't think so. I mean, bad, like not necessarily bad on the goal. Maybe the spinning kind of half spinning shot from Barbashev. I'd have to go back and kind of take a look at, at how that one came together again. But I just don't think when you're talking about a goalie who's stopped multiple breakaways, when he makes a really sneaky good deflection save with 20 some seconds left to make sure it gets to overtime. I, I just, I don't think you can be too critical of what you saw from Dustin Wolf last mm-hmm. night. In fact, I think we might be talking about eight, two, if Dustin Wolf wasn't as good early as he was in that game. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable with uh, Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Uh, another two points for Nazem Kadri in that 5-4 overtime loss in Vegas. He has been on an absolute heater since the beginning of November. Gents, the last six weeks or so, from the beginning of November to where we are now mid-December, knowing that he was the only all-star for the Flames last year, is this the best Nazem Kadri has looked since joining the Flames? Or maybe the question is, is it close? Curious as to where you guys are. I think it's the best he's looked, but I do think it's close because I thought he was by far their best player in the first month or so of last season. And then his game fell off a little bit, and then he went to the All-Star game, and I thought it fell off a lot. Uh, but he's been consistently good since the start of the season. I think he's been the Flames' best player so far in this 2023-2024 campaign. Uh, getting Connor Zary uh, certainly helped him offensively, but even when he only had one point in the first, what, what was it, eight games, he was still playing well. He was just snake-bitten and wasn't getting rewarded for his hard work. But then Flames recall Zary, put him in line with Kadri, and those two guys uh, have clicked right from the get-go. So... I think he is playing his best hockey as a member of the Flames right now. He has been a driver. He has been a guy who's been difficult to play against. And he's a guy who's been productive, leads the Flames in points this season. So, yeah, I think he's playing great right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that the last six weeks has been equal to his best hockey in a Flames uniform. Going back to last fall when he had such a great start, I, I do think... I do think he's gotten a little too much credit for the first 10 games. Like I, I believe, and I know this doesn't line up with what you said, Wilsey. It doesn't line up with what Ryan Huska said at the time. I, I don't think it was just snake bite at the start of the season. I really wasn't seeing a whole lot, a lot out of Nazem Kadri, but ever since the calendar essentially flipped to November, maybe even a couple nights before when they showed up in those, overalls at the heritage classic his his game has taken a, a turn and it's been a huge development for the flames because his click with connor zary and i love the way martin pospisil looked again on that line last night too has given this team depth at forward that they didn't have and they're still not the deepest group at forward but they're much deeper than they were two months ago yeah i uh he was very good to start last year, no doubt about it. He he, it felt like he was still playing um, in June. He was shot out of a cannon as he started with the Calgary Flames, and then it kind of gradually faded. And then by the second half of the season, Willsey, to your point, it was a really frustrating year. Um, and what what we've seen from what what I think is maybe the most encouraging part of watching Kadri over the last little while, for the first time, really as a member of the Flames. Like he's he's playing like the Nazem Kadri that other teams hated when he was in Toronto and Colorado. Like the guy that people like, you know, the guy that Jordan Bennington's throwing water bottles at, and and the guy that other teams are uh, and other teams' fan bases absolutely hate within reason. Talking to you, St. Louis, but the 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 teams that are are like this guy is a thorn in our side. We hate playing against Nazem, and we're like look at. It got into it with a goalie. He was taking shots at a goaltender in Colorado. He's putting up points. He's finding himself in the middle of everything. He is 
showing confidence. And, and you know what? Sometimes he gets the puck taken away from him. Sometimes he tries to beat a guy at the blue line, tries to walk through him, and it doesn't work. But you know what? It's also working sometimes. And his power play and five-on-five entries are the best we've seen as a member of the Flames. He's playing with speed. He looks like he's 27, not 33. Like, the, the guy, the guy has been outstanding, and it feels like he sets the tone every single night. There was one line going for the Flames in Vegas all night long. It was the Kadri line with Zeri and Pospisil. They were dominant every time they were out there. Kadri seemed like he was dominant every time he was out there. And even though, you know, a lot of times we, we nitpick and point it at individual plays, I'll take Nazem Kadri trying to make that play in overtime every single time because it, it didn't work. And Jack Eichel made a heads-up play and, and sprung stone on the game winner. But I'll, I'll take Kadri taking that puck hard to the net because a lot of times that's going to work. And if, it, if it's another centimeter, they probably win that hockey game. Instead, they don't. I get it. But I'll take Kadri playing with that confidence. I'll take Kadri playing with that swagger. I'll take him playing with that chip on his shoulder. And I'll take other teams wanting to get at him all night long because that is the Nazem Kadri that they signed to a 7x7. He looks like the guy that I was so excited about when they signed him. I think he's been outstanding. It's been by far for me the best he's looked as a member of the Flames. I'm really enjoying watching him play. Yeah, he's played with fire in his belly. And I think he's led by example. I don't know what he's like inside the dressing room. Uh, He generally tends to be pretty even-keeled when he chats with us. But uh, his work ethic on the ice and the passion that he's played with, uh, I think, has been something that's been good for the young players in the team to to learn, uh, well, this is how you play when uh, you've won a Stanley Cup and are trying to win another one, even though it's probably not going to happen this season. But... Yeah, he's playing some fantastic hockey right now, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch him play. And just, just to uh, push back in a friendly way, Wes, I actually think the Flames are a fairly deep team. What they lack is the real high-end talent because they've got eight guys who have scored between six and nine goals, and they've got 11 players with 14 or more points. The last time I looked, uh, that was more than any team in the NHL, but they don't have those super high-end guys who have – 20 goals and 40 points or 50 points right now. So uh, they're only competitive because they do have, generally speaking, two or three lines going and and two pairings going and are getting contributions from everybody because when you don't have uh, those generational players or or super elite players, then you kind of need everybody to chip in, right? Yeah, we, we certainly saw during that skit at the start of the season what happens when you don't have enough guys going. And I think the point I yeah. was making is that the this forward group is deeper because two of the guys who are on your second line right now weren't even in the NHL during that losing skid, right? They weren't they weren't even yeah in they weren't even on the radar really. And so that's made this group deeper at four. That's covered up the fact that Dylan Dubé and Adam Ruzichka can't seem to stay out of their own way. That's covered up the struggles of Andrew Mangiapane. That That's helped make this team deeper despite the fact that... And yes, you're right. that they, they, they spread it out, but there's a bunch of guys on that need more from list, including some of the guys at the top of the mm-hmm. payroll, and, and, and that remains a concern. Yeah. Uh, thank and, you, Will. The good news is they still have young... Sorry, just a quick point. They still have young players who are going to push moving forward. At some point in time, they're going to get Jacob Pelche back. 
he's going to try to steal a spot from someone, and I think he will. And at some point in time, they're going to call Matt Coronado up again, and he's going to try to steal the spots from someone and stay in the NHL level. So kind of that push from the bottom, so to speak, has been uh, – it's been a revelation for the Flames this season, and uh, I think one of the reasons why they're likely going in the direction that uh, a lot of fans want them to. Thank you, Mr. Wills. We will uh, chat again on Thursday on a game day. Okay, guys. Have a good night. He is Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that is your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. On the text line at 969.60. most of the texts that came in during the roundtable were on Wolf, so I'll just throw you a few of them. Uh, this says from Kevin in Silver Springs, small goaltenders are usually quick, definitely more agile. Wolf goes post to post in the blink of an eye. He's very good in that regard. We even see, saw that on display on Tuesday night in Vegas. A couple of those stops he made going post to post and the anticipation, the reads, those type of things. Yeah, and you know, you'd always rather be covering a game live, especially when it's in Las Vegas, but it was really fascinating for me watching from home last night to hear the way Greg Millen was reacting to some of Dustin Wolf's movements, to his rebound control. Like Greg Millen's a guy who knows a lot about goaltending and a lot about goaltending as a smaller guy. And they were more prevalent in Greg Millen's era. But to hear his praise for those lateral movements, for the speed, the way he got across when... I believe it was Keegan Colasar hit the side of the net on that uh, cross crease pass that Greg Millen was saying, well, he was, he was going to save that anyways. Like even if that hits the net, he saves it. It it was really interesting insight. I thought into what I, I thought was a really impressive night for Dustin Wolf. Uh, This says it's unanimous on Wolf. He's proven himself trade Vladar for a defensive prospect, because if we lose Hannafin and Tanev, uh, they won't be near the bottom of the league in goals against. They'll be at the bottom. Uh, this Kevin and Carstairs. I think you should also look at the fact the team looked like they felt comfortable playing in front of Wolf. I think the team showed a lot of confidence with him. And uh, finally from Jose and Calgary on Wolf. I think this has been the perfect opportunity to actually truly test him and get the best assessment possible. He's been highly successful at every level, but now in the NHL only has one one win and four starts. He needs to go back to the AHL to perfect what he needs to work on now and be ready for the next time he comes up. And if that's because of a trade, I believe his next call-up will be much more successful. And Jose, to that point, he probably is going to go down sometime in the next week. Jacob Markstrom's close. He probably will be heading back to the Wranglers and might even play for the Wranglers this weekend. Who knows? And then in a month's time, if he's recalled... I can guarantee you Dustin Wolf goes down with that exact same mindset in that, okay, I've learned a little bit more about the NHL. Let's go work on those things, bring those to the Wranglers, and be ready for my next recall because he knows it's coming now. The only thing I'd, I'd push back on a little bit, and that's a great text from Jose, but I don't know what Dustin Wolf has left to work on that he wouldn't just be helping himself by working on it at the NHL level. Even facing NHL shooters every day in practice as a backup is going to be beneficial. And and when I say it's my opinion that it's time to create a spot for him, I he doesn't need to work on anything else with the Wranglers. He he needs to be in the NHL. Are you um are you happy that 
I've come all the way over onto the the west side of the fence. You know, I don't plan, and this will be disappointing for some listeners, I don't plan to retire from radio, but if I was ever going to go out on top, today would be the day. It's a good point. Uh, We can go celebrate at 403 Local because uh, whether you're a fan of sports or a fan of great deals, 403 Local is the place to be. Every time the local hockey heroes hit the ice, you get the game day special, two beers and a pizza for just 20 bucks. You're not getting a better game day special anyway. Uh, Sundays, all the football games, 50 cent wings and happy hour all day. Wings also on Wednesdays. On Monday, dry ribs, just $5 a pound. Also, daily happy hour from 3 to 6. Lunch specials from 1130 to 2.30 week days and 403 locals available for private functions visit 403 local in lake bonavista and at 403 local.com